From WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes, a podcast about Wisconsin politics and politicians. I'm Marty Michelson. Each week, I discuss noteworthy developments with J.R. Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com. Here's our latest conversation. So, J.R., the Republican-controlled legislature passed a $250 million income tax cut and then sent the bill to Democratic Governor Tony Evers. Republicans want to use a $600 million projected surplus to pay for the income tax cut, but Evers wants to pour some of the money into public schools and to lowering property taxes. But he's also left the door open for compromise. In other words, some money could go toward an income tax cut and some money could go toward the public schools. Or he could veto the income tax cut outright. What do you think will happen? It looks right now like signs are pointing toward the governor vetoing the package. What I really watched this past week with the votes was what happened with Democrats. In the Senate, straight uh, straight party line vote, all Democrats opposed the Republican plan, which has the income tax cut, the property tax break for businesses, and the $100 million in debt reduction. In the Assembly, there were two Democrats who voted for it, uh, Steve Dole on Alaska, Nick Milroy up in northern Wisconsin. They are both um, Republican targets this coming fall. Uh, Doyle said he hoped that if the governor vetoes this Republican bill, there'll be discussion on a compromise and be part of that discussion for a new package. Milroy told me that he believes when you have a surplus, you should invest it or return it to taxpayers. His preference was the education plan that Evers had, but people like Beth Myers in northern Wisconsin, Robin Vining in Wauwatosa, um, they are also our targets for uh, Republicans this fall. They voted against it, and you're going to hear from them the line of they chose education funding uh, and helping schools over this tax break, and I think that's kind of an interesting dynamic to watch of how that messaging works from now until November and how it plays in the elections. If Governor Evers um, vetoes the income tax cut and they decide that they need to come back for a compromise, with the session winding down and with Thursday being the last day of the assembly being in for the two-year session, when would they meet um, to pass a compromise? Good question. I'm not sure there's a big appetite among Republicans to do a compromise. What I'm kind of talking to people, what they're kind of projecting more is that money, if you don't spend it or give it back in a, a, a property tax or income tax break, you're going to see it end up being part of the bottom line for the next budget. So what happens is Evers, if he vetoes this proposal for Republicans, all that happens is you build his next budget in 2021. He builds this money in to his education proposals or whatnot that he wants to do now in his bill and gives it back to Republicans that way. Now, They'll go through the same process they did last year with the, the first budget he gave them where they'll strip out a bunch of stuff he wanted. But if, if nothing happens to that money, it's still there to be used, just not to the next budget. So that's kind of the feeling when people I talk to is what will happen. They're not seeing a big thirst for a compromise right now. But, you know, maybe, but they haven't shown the ability so far to reach a deal on much of anything. So I'm not sure people are counting on them reaching a deal on something like this. Well, how irate might um, constituents be if they have to wait for the income tax break? Excellent question. I mean, Republicans, they're going to whack Democrats over the heads with the tax uh, tax bill from now until November. I mean, they're also already going to hit the Democrats for not voting for a te- income tax cut that they passed ahead of the budget back earlier in 2019, which Evers vetoed. They didn't vote for the income tax cut that was in the budget um, that Evers ended up signing. So, they already have that knock against them. 
of course, you know, the the line I've gotten back from Democrats is, sure, Republicans are going to call Democrats tax and spend liberals so they oppose these tax cuts, but they're going to say that anyway. That has become the standard line of attack against a Democrat um, in general in elections. So I don't know if they're phased by that prospect. It's just a question of whether voters are really unhappy with them or if they would have preferred the money to go to education. Don't forget the Marquette Law School poll that we you know, see every so often has shown in recent months that voters, generally speaking, would prefer more money for education than they were lo- with lower property taxes. So something to watch. All right. Uh, turning to another topic, the State Assembly passed a bill that would extend bar time during the Democratic National Convention in July to 4 a.m., It only applies to bars in southeastern Wisconsin, though. Originally, the bill would have extended bar time statewide. So what originally looked like a sure thing also turned into some pushback from Republicans in the Senate. Um, What were some of the problems with the bill, and why did the Assembly modify it? Well, the very original bill included a provision on so-called wedding barns, which are private facilities where they host wedding receptions and parties, that kind of thing. They don't have to have a liquor license, unlike taverns. That was in there. That's been a contentious issue in the Capitol for a long time. There are provisions about the hours for wineries, the hours for breweries. I mean, just all kinds of stuff put in that bill. Um, it re- got some pushback in the state Senate last week because the idea was um, debated on the floor. Now, the bill that passed the Assembly, it does a couple of things. One, it pairs it back from being statewide, which was done to try and attract attention from outstate lawmakers who are going, you know, why should I vote for something that only benefits southeastern Wisconsin when it's not going to help me back home? They paired it back from statewide to the 14 counties. They took out the, the provisions about wineries, brews are not in there anymore. The wedding barn stuff is not in this final final bill. Um, they added a bigger surcharge on drunk driving arrests to help uh, pay for this program that covers the safe ride program offered by the Tavern League to give people rides home from bars. Like They basically tried to find a way the authors did, of addressing the concerns of Senate Republicans because that caucus does not seem to have a big appetite, at least some of the members, to pass this bill. The thing to watch going forward is Majority Leader Scott Fitzgerald has had a rule of thumb for a long time that any bill that passes has to have 17 votes from his caucus. That's what you need to pass a bill in general. He wants to make sure that things pass just with his caucus support. I'm not sure they have 17 GOP votes right now in the Senate for this revised bill. The question, though, is that Fitzgerald, don't forget, he's running for Congress. Um, he's heavily favored to win that seat right now. If he does, he'll be gone come January. Does he say, look, you know, I know there are people really pushing for this this uh, extended hours thing. I'm going to break with my caucus, break my rule of thumb, and go ahead and push it through? Maybe. You know, I don't know. Maybe they try and cobble the support from 17 Senate Republicans. It's just hard to say how that caucus is going to react to these changes because they're so fresh. You see where it's going to go. And, you know, honestly, I have not seen this much ink spilled or effort put into a bar that basically impacts, you know, two hours a day for a week in my time in the Capitol. But this is the first time we've had a national convention come to town. In 2016, um, Ohio did something similar for Cleveland. Philadelphia, the same thing for, or sorry, Pennsylvania, the same thing for Philadelphia. Other places have done this. If Wisconsin won't, what's it say about us? That's like one of the concerns. It'll suggest we're kind of small time. And two, it's not just about the DNC. You know, Republicans will tell you that if this goes, you know, is successful this, this coming summer, that maybe the Republican National Convention comes to Wisconsin. And they would enjoy the benefit of having a National Convention right in their backyard and help impact 
whether the state goes Democratic or Republican in the presidential race. So it's not just about this week, just that some Demo- Republicans are saying, look, we got problems with this idea in general. We don't like the idea of maybe more drunk driving going on. And three, why should they help Democrats in general? What's the point? So it's all up in the air right now how that bill's going to play out in the Senate. Hmm. And as we were mentioning, the state Senate comes back for its final day of the two-year session next month. Um, what other items besides bar time during the convention are left for them to take up? Uh, clean water bills. They haven't decided yet what they want to do with those. There's about a 10-minute price tag on those provisions. Um, there's homelessness bills that are still been pending out there for a long time. There's an ag package. I remember Governor Evers called for an ag package in the state of the state. Back in January, some Republicans approved a more expansive package before they adjourned. What will the Senate do with that? Um, the dust is still settling on what happened in the final days of the assembly session to see like what bills are out there. What will happen now is Republicans in the Senate will gather and say, okay, what do we want to get done? What can we get done? And they'll have a conversation trying to figure that out before they go to the floor in March. Well, turning to the recent spring elections, more than 700,000 votes were cast last week in the primary for Wisconsin Supreme Court, which is an unusually high turnout for a February Supreme Court race. Incumbent Justice Daniel Kelly and Dane County Circuit Judge Jill Karofsky advanced to the April general election. To what do you attribute the high turnout and what does it mean for April, especially for Kelly? Well, a couple of things. One, you had a Republican primary for the 7th Congressional District that up in northern Wisconsin that got a lot of attention. There were like $2.7, $2.8 million spent on impact expenditures in that race, which I've never seen that kind of money spent on a House primary in Wisconsin before. That helped boost turnout. In Milwaukee, you had uh, primaries for mayor as well as county executive. That helped boost turnout. So there was a little bit of surge here and there, just enough. But looking ahead to April, what's it mean? Probably not much. And this is why, because... The electorate we saw last week will be much different than the one we see in April if, and I stress if, the primary for president on the Democratic side is still going strong. We have seen nothing so far to suggest it's going to peter out anytime soon. Um, yeah, if Bernie Sanders, after doing well in, in Iowa and New Hampshire, if he somehow wins like Nevada, South Carolina, and cleans up on Super Tuesday, maybe that uh, does a trick. But it looks like it's going to be a long, drawn-out fight. That means that the, the parade will roll into Wisconsin April 7th and be going hot and heavy. That means we're going to have, if that happens, again, if, if, if. But if that happens, we're going to look at a very supercharged Democratic turnout uh, for that primary. On the Republican side, Donald Trump is on the ballot, but he has no primary. So people I talk to generally think if that primary is still going on, uh, on the Democratic side, it should help Karofsky because you're talking about a much higher turnout for Democrats and Republicans. Now, the caveats are, you know, can Kelly attract some crossover support? There are probably some Trump voters who are jazzed up to vote for him because he'll be in the ballot for the first time in Wisconsin since 2016. They're unhappy about um, impeachment and those kinds of things, so they'll turn out no matter what and go vote for him, even though, again, he has no opponent. So maybe that goes on. Uh, but unless that Democratic primary just kind of fizzles before April, it looks like Karofsky could have a an advantage with the environment at least going in. So just keep an eye on that. Also, there were problems with the My Vote Wisconsin website where you can look up the address of your polling place. That website went down for a good chunk of election day. What has been the reaction at the state capitol and is everything going to be okay for April? Um, it looks like it'll be all be worked out. They had 
some temporary snafus. It looks like I'm not an IT person, so take with a grain of salt. But they had an alternative site you could go to to figure things out. So there wasn't a lot of consternation. Yeah, it wasn't a great thing to happen in a primary, but it was only a primary of 700,000 voters, whereas you could see twice that Trump for the polls come um, April. They'd rather have it happen now than then. That's WISPolitics.com editor J.R. Ross. You can join us each week for our conversations. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to Capital Notes on iTunes, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts.